Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Chris Chase. Chris is the Chief Executive Officer of Chase Telecom Inc. Chris has 20 plus years experience working as a systems engineer and architect designing, developing and deploying enterprise computer telephony solutions for a number of Fortune 500 companies throughout North America. Chase Telecom is a national communication service provider that provides end-to-end contact center and digital workspace solutions. And now I'll pass the microphone over to Chris as he interviews Karen Keck and Melia Stewart. Take it away, Chris. So I'm originally from Saskatchewan, born and raised there in Ravelberg, Saskatchewan, a small town in the Southwest. I first studied psychology to start. And then from there, I lived for a couple of years in Ecuador, in Quito, and spent some time learning a different culture and different language, Interesting, uh, which I loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and eventually I came back. I went to law school here in, uh, in Calgary at the University of uh, Calgary. And yeah, so then since then I, well, I articled, actually I articled uh, at a large law firm here in the city after I finished school. And I worked there for a short time after articles. And then I left to do uh, an internship at, um, in Costa Rica at the Inter-American Court of Human Rights. Hmm. So you've been around. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, oh, I love traveling. So, so. That, that, uh, that must have really been a unique experience for you to prepare you for, for what you're doing today. Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a great experience. It was fascinating. I worked hmm. with people from all over Latin America and some people from Europe. So it was um, very mm-hmm. interesting. But in the end, I came back and mm-hmm. I practiced corporate law here in Calgary for quite some time, for about uh, 13 years at a large law firm until I left and started up Legal Sneakers hmm. in 2017. Okay, very thank you. So to you, Melia, uh, could you just provide us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, just go ahead? Yeah, sure. I'm also from Saskatchewan, although I was mostly raised in Edmonton, which is, you know, the next best thing. I uh, did my undergraduate degree in economics at the University of Alberta. And from there I went on, I didn't take the fun time off like Karen did, but I ended up going straight to uh, law school in Toronto at the University of Toronto. And from there I articled as well with a large firm here in Calgary and then went on and got connected with Karen from that and joined her at Legal Sneakers. Hmm. Wonderful. So what, what I heard, heard from both of you is that you're both um, originally from Saskatchewan, born and raised in Saskatchewan. That's right. Proud Saskatchewanians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you've, you've, ended, you've landed here in Calgary, Alberta, and now you're starting an exciting uh, business or you've started an exciting business and... Uh, Focused on startups. Yeah, startups. Yeah, Yeah. but principally we work uh, with startups. That's certainly the focus. Well, we we have a lot of startups in Calgary, and I'm sure they would really appreciate the kind of advice uh, that you could provide today around, you know, what you all are primarily focused on. And uh, from what I know, 
primarily focused on helping to develop legal structures and frameworks for, for businesses. It's one of the things you, you specialize in doing. So what I'd like to know, if you could just explain to our audience what a legal structure is and why it is so important for startup success. That's, that's huge. Yeah, sure. No, thank you for asking, Chris. That's a great question. That is one of the principal things that we do. It's really about setting a foundation. So a legal structure, most people would think of a legal structure as a company, for example. But it's really about developing the organization that you're going to use to operate your business out of. And a corporation is one of those legal structures that you can use. So, and it's fairly typical, I would say, for a startup. Most would start with a company. Um, and that offers some protection liabilities from personal liability which is one of the one of the main reasons that people would uh, would choose to use a use a company. So yeah, so but it's not just that incorporation. You know, if you mm -hmm. think about legal structuring in a larger sense, what does it mean? Well, it really means figuring out how what are all the relationships that you have within that organization. So you have some with the founders who are going to wear different hats. They're going to be shareholders, so owners mm -hmm. of that business. Mm -hmm. are going to be mind and management. So they're going to be directors of that business. They're also going to be officers who run the day-to-day -day operations of the company. So that's kind of that first core group that we focus on and understanding, helping people understand what those roles are. Because it, you know, when you're a startup, you have all these different hats legally, but you're just going to work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's important to understand the distinctions between those and then how they're going to govern. So how they're going to govern the relationship. So particularly at the shareholder level, because that's where ownership lies. And so we often spend some time figuring out, okay, so who are the founders? What are they going to contribute to the business? How should that be reflected in the ownership of the company? And what happens if that changes over time? Uh, how can we organize this in a fashion that will make sense for everybody and that everyone understands? So people would refer to this as a founder's agreement or a unanimous shareholder's agreement. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are two of the typical ways that you would, two of the typical agreements that you would use to organize how the founders are going to relate to one another as owners. Hmm. And so we would help with setting that up. But in addition to that, then, you know, over time, a company is going to build its employees, the team. So what does a team include? Well, it includes employees, maybe some independent contractors, perhaps some advisors for, for the companies who sit on an, an advisory board. So once again, you have to establish some contractual relationships. It's usually best to govern those different relationships so everybody understands what the terms are. So what are they required to do and what happens if they don't do that? Um, what are their rights and obligations? So that would be for the team. And then another big bucket is on the commercialization piece. You need agreements with your customers. And so we help also build that framework to say, okay, so who are your customers? Are you providing a service? Are you providing a, are you selling a product? Who are they going to be? What are the terms and conditions that will govern that relationship? So those are really three of the key areas that we that we focus on. So creating that structure, that foundation for the people who are operating the business and owning owning and operating the business themselves, 
then what that team, the larger team is going to look like and what those relationships are. And then on the commercialization, well, who are you selling to? How, how are you making your money and what's the relationship there? So putting documentation in order for each of those areas is three of the real first key places that we look, we look to. Yeah, interesting. I think it's so important to to have um, the proper frameworks in place to make sure that it sort of guides you along and that you don't miss things, especially when you're de- developing a business relationship. It's so important to make sure that everybody understands, you know, how things are supposed to, to go. And uh, it kind of gives us a um, a benchmark so that we know how to interact and, and everything sort of revolves around that. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, the we always say the, the the best thing you can do is maintain really good relationships. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, but you know, we're all human, and so we also need it. and having those conversations. Even not not just building good relationships, but just having a conversation about how things are going to operate and what the expectations are. Just going through that process, you know, yeah. uh, for a unanimous shareholders agreement, I'll do a three hour meeting. And sit down with the whole team and say, okay, you know, who's contributing what? And, ha- and it's interesting. It often changes from the beginning, what they originally think is going to be the way it's going to be set up to after we finish. Then they go back and revisit. Yeah. Uh, and so, they can tweak things, hmm. you know. So the, the documentation is really uh, living. It's, it's, it's alive and, and fluid because, you know, people do change. Uh, their priorities change. Uh, partners uh, People come and go and that sort of thing. So you need to be able to have something that's um, fluid. Then you can make those changes. Or maybe the business models change somewhat. As you kind of get some experience, your traction and going along uh, things, you know, you're finding out maybe you need to make some changes or, you know, discard that and add this or whatever. So you need to make sure you you can have that reflected in your in your agreements and your documentation. Yeah, you, you know, we, we try and... Uh you try and get the crystal ball out a little bit <laughs> as yeah. best you can. Right. Right. Especially when it comes, I find the, when it comes to investing, right? Like, so how are we going to get, how are we going to capitalize this business? How are we going to get money in the door? Is it going to come from, what's that going to look like? And so we try, we get the old crystal ball out to say, okay, who do we think the, like, are we going to get grants? Are we going to get investors? What kind of, is it friends and family? Yeah. Is it, are we going to bootstrap it? How's that going to look? Uh, so that we can design things to take that into account. So we do our best to anticipate, you know, at the beginning, having some of those more detailed conversations, it it helps. It helps to sort it out. And if you need to amend it, then you amend, you know, but... um, A lot of things to consider. Yes, there are, uh, for sure. You you have to make sure you get those things right. And there's an old adage that says, in all you're getting, get understanding. So that's so important to to make sure you get that. (laughs) So, Millie, do you have anything that you could add to what uh, what Karen is, uh, has been sharing here? Well, I think what you just touched on there, the fact that the better you can understand what the structure of your business is, the more you can understand either that you're working within it or how to work within it or how you need to change it. And if you can do that as you go, there's less of a need once maybe your business is growing and you're becoming successful. All of a sudden you have to look back and make changes that didn't matter in the or you didn't seem to matter at first, and now they're going to cause a problem for you. And versus if you can do that, 
ahead of time. It allows you to kind of grow. I mean, most people want their businesses to grow, right? And if you can set your business up, uh, your legal structure up to allow that to happen smoothly, you can really make that transition easier and cheaper for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> just, just what comes to mind, is there an example possibly, or maybe something or if you had a recent experience where, where you, there needed to be a change or whatever that you could maybe provide? You no, know, it happens. It happens all the time. And there's, there's sort of two reasons for sometimes changing. One is fixing things, right? Mm. So you don't take that time up at the front to sit down and get some good advice and and really understand what you're signing. Uh, sometimes what you sign is not a good reflection of what the relationships are at the present time. And when that occurs, it's always more expensive to fix it, you know, because mm-hmm. then when something, if you, if you have a unanimous shareholders agreement uh, and, you know, it was a form from some place, it might not really fit, right? It might not so, fit with the, 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 the actual company itself so there are dangers in downloading stuff from the internet and trying to make it fit with your business so you know be be aware of those kinds of things yeah absolutely you know because it is expensive to fix because when we get them we're like oh gosh okay so you know this one says you have this type of share but this other document says you don't have any voting rights and so how do you make the two live together? You know, it's it's harder to sometimes it's really you and as we scratch our head trying to figure out how to how to even fix it. And it can be expensive to do. So that's one thing. Uh, I understand the desire for having more efficiency in creating documentation. No doubt about it. Um, but at the end of the day, you still need to understand what that document is you're signing. So that's one important thing. And then in terms of changes that yeah, you know, things change, right? And sometimes those changes are difficult to to incorporate. They're not always, the documents can only do so much. You also sort of have to, you know, if, if there is a sort of a, a dispute or where someone just decides, you know, we've I've seen it where there's a full-on dispute, but I have also seen startup, a startup gig is tough, right? Like when you start out on this, <laughs> business, building this business and you don't know how you're going to, who your customers are going to be or what it's going to look like. And it gets stressful. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've had people say, well, there's one of the founders, they, they just want out because they just want to go back to getting a, a, you know, a job where they know that they can, they have a steady paycheck and they're comfortable. And there was, you know, no discord, but but yeah, so that requires a change. So then you need to look at the documents again to say, okay, so this person who held 25% of the company um, and did all these things is no longer going to be here. So do these documents, when, that, when they leave, do they still make sense? And then you need to adjust. And then I've had sort of that middle of the road where it's not a dispute, but we're getting close. <laughs> And I would say there that the times that I have seen that were most successful was when everyone in the room sort of did have their director's hats on and they were like, okay, what we really need to do here is what's in the best interest of the company and, and, and figure it out. And, and if you can come to an agreement amongst yourselves, it's, it's, 
it's way less expensive. The, the lawyers don't end up with all the, the yeah, you know, no, to the extent there is any extra, they don't end it up <laughs> with it in their pockets. So if you can compromise and come to a solution, that is that is more economical and and quite honestly, it's just better all around, generally speaking, at least mm-hmm. in my experience. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of risks that that occur as a result of not having some of these things in place. So you've highlighted some of those things, and uh, uh, what what are some of the benefits of of getting it right. Like, you know, what are some of the things, okay, you've taken the time to, you know, uh, seek the proper counsel, uh, legal counsel to set things up and you've laid all these things down. What, what are some of the things that you can expect? What are some of the fruits of, of putting these things in place that I can expect or a business startup can expect going forward? Let's say, let's say fast forward, um, you know, three or four years into the future. I would say, you know, some certainty and security of knowing that uh, you're complying with any kind of regulatory requirements or legal requirements. You know what they are. You're just complying with them. You've got a good foundation. Everybody knows what the rules of the road are. And um, you can focus on the business, right? You, you can spend a lot more time focusing on growing your business than, and you know, Say, oh, well, we don't have this paper and someone's asking for this and, oh, we haven't got that. And because it will be requested, you know, if you have an investor come in, mm-hmm. they're go- they might do some due diligence. Well, what's due diligence? It means they're going to review your documents and they might get a little bit nervous if you don't have a minute book or if it's not uh, put together very well or it's missing things or whatever is said in the documentation doesn't reflect the actual people involved uh, and their roles and there's disconnects, uh, you know, it, it can end a transaction or if, if the intellectual property hasn't been transferred in, those are, those are problems. Uh, mm. And so I think if you've got it done right, the biggest thing is just that you can focus on the business and you know that when you're asked a question by an investor or a customer, you've got an answer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Malia can. Yeah, Malia. Well, I think, I mean, I don't have much to add. I think that basically covers it. But if you really want your business to succeed and you want to be able to just go down that road and then one of the best things you can do is contract out the stuff you don't know how to do and and get it set up right, right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a startup is very stressful. You've got enough to worry about. Someone else, make sure that you're getting it right on this end and then you can do the business stuff yourself. Yeah, because I, in in my experience, uh, you know, as a startup, I've worn all kinds of hats in trying to focus on just keeping the business operational and, and developing and growing is is so important. And then to realize that you've got to do all these other things right, and you know, trying to figure out how to do that is so hard. And so, yes, it makes good sense to have a multitude of counselors around you that can provide you, you know, the legal, the accounting, the tax advice and all those kinds of things so that you can focus, as you say, Millie, on the business. And, and, and because without that, you know, you're not going to have anything. All that doesn't matter. But if you have a good, solid business that you can build on, then, then, then you have something that you can look forward to for the future. And, you know, one, one thing, Chris, also is um, in looking for those those advisors. And I think it's important, all the, you know, 
finding a good accountant, lawyer, other professions in addition to law, and someone who can explain it, you know, mm. so that you leave with an understanding. You know what you signed. You know what it says. You know, I, I think that's an important element too. Not just that it's done, but also that it's understood so that you know how to shape your behavior as, as you go. So, you know, if something does, does go, you know, the relationships start to dissolve or they're not as, as good as they once were, you kind of know then, okay, so if this, so if I do this, this is, if I decide to resign, I could lose my, you know, I could forfeit my shares or I could uh, give somebody an option to acquire them for me. And I know how much it's going to be. It's going to be the fair market value or it's going to be uh, another type of, and what that formula is, if there's a formula. So you know what the, the that way you can make an informed decision as you go too, right? Mm -hmm. As So it's, it's equally important, not just to get it done well, but to get it done and understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So that kind of leads me to uh, our next line of questioning, which is going to be focused on what are a few key things that uh, startups need to think about to prepare them for the potential uh, private sale of their company. <laughs> so because things do happen, uh, there's transition that happens, people's priorities change and, you know, and, you know, you need to be prepared for that. Uh, or you know, um, maybe there's an opportunity that comes along this path and, and, and someone wants to just they love what you're doing and they just want to, you know, buy you out. Yeah, you get a great <laughs> offer. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know, always uh, want to keep the door open for that sort of thing. Uh, but positioning yourself in order for that kind of transaction to happen is uh, I think it's pretty important. So I think a lot of what you've been talking about today is is really laying the groundwork even for something like that to happen. So if you all, uh, Melia and Karen, could uh, just speak to that uh, from um, as best you can. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's an exciting time for startups. If they get a potential offer uh, to buy their company, um, it's an exit and it can be an exciting time. So. I would say uh, there's a couple things to do, and one is understand the process, and the other thing is um, to be prepared. So understanding the process, I would talk to somebody first, and oftentimes you're in a discussion about a potential uh, sale, and uh, you, you hold off on going to legal counsel or, or the, you know, some of your advisors until the last minute. And then you learn, holy smokes, there's a bunch of stuff that um, actually has to be done. So I think one of the things would just be get, get some good information about what the process is going to be so that you can plan it out and carry it out efficiently. So to get some of that advice up front would be useful. Other thing is, so that would be part of the preparation. The other thing would be uh, to make sure that you've got all of your documentation ready. I think M Malia um, might have some thoughts on this, but... You know, getting the, the, oftentimes it's always going to involve due diligence. And in order to do due diligence, if you get an offer and they're ready to sign a non-disclosure agreement and come and kick the tires, so to speak, if you can say, yeah, and allow them into the da data room right away, that's going to look good. 
right? And it's going to move things faster. So what does that mean? It means having all the documentation that we've been talking about organized and in a data room so that somebody can come and access that information quickly. So that's important. So it sort of, sort of sounds like you kind of, um, you're doing things anticipating that possibly at some point that this may occur. I mean, I think for startups, it's important always to be looking ahead and thinking about the possibilities that you don't want to start your business and think, well, this is never going to go anywhere. You want to hope for the best. So you want to be ready for the best. And if you get an offer to buy your business and you didn't have the right resolutions or you didn't don't have your shares in the right hands, you're going to have to go back and do a bunch of work and that won't look very good to that potential buyer. So it's important to be hope, hope for the best, plan for the worst, and also plan for the best. <laughs> that makes good sense. Yeah, no, you just need to be ready. I think is the is the key. Okay. Well, um, this has been a very interesting time together, and I know we can't cover all the bases, but we certainly come covered some. I think what are some of the essential things that a startup needs to consider uh, when they're you know going forward with their business, and so. I'd like to uh, just kind of bring things to a close. Thank you for coming in today. I would like to for you to share how someone could possibly contact you via the internet. I believe your website is legalsneakers.com. Legalsneakers.com. <laughs> so if there's more information uh, or you'd like to engage Karen and Malia for further assistance, then by all means have look at their website and I'm sure they'll be glad to carry on the conversation with you. So I'd like to thank you for participating in today's Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. And I'm looking forward to actually hearing this on the air. And I hope that all of you will enjoy it and uh, you will be able to glean something from it. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is sponsored by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story, and Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more information. The audio for this episode was professionally edited by Kate Day with KD Sound Design. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>